back to this idea of what the podcast is about. This is things that that have endurance. Hey, you're still here. Sustain. It's it's nice. not about the thing. Thanks for staying focused that all the way through. It's not about. If you have any podcast, thoughts, it's about or questions about today's episode. It's about connecting. Feel people. free to email me at you're tethering Brendan at ADHDessentials.com. It's about and don't forget connecting to check out the website. People. It's about helping ADHD people and it's about teaching people. Like that's really what and the show is. Visit our Facebook community. All about. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing Hello. on improvement and welcome perfection. To ADHD Essentials. Percent better. Part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at Brendan at ADHDessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? The Executive Function Online Summit is going on now, but it's not too late to register. Follow the link in the show notes to immerse yourself all weekend long in strategies, skills, and understandings that will help you support your kid. And of course, check out our partner podcasts. ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb, ADHD Diversified with MJ, and the ADHD Friendly Lifestyle with Moira Maben. Don't forget to join all of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network hosts on Tuesday, September 13th, for a live Q&A at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, go to ADHDrewired.com events to register. And of course, this episode, like so many others, was edited by Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. I'm grateful to have him on my team. If you've enjoyed any of the past 200 episodes of this show, I would greatly appreciate a rating and review in your podcast player of choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. They really help others find the show. I can't control the algorithm, ladies and gents. Links to everything I've mentioned will be in the show notes. But before we jump into today's episode, I have a couple of side notes that I want to share with you. First, my friend Tim, a disabled army veteran, will be hosting a live gaming Twitch stream under his handle, Sir Arminius, in order to support Project New Hope, a New England-based military-affiliated resource hub that finds and delivers resources needed by veterans, service members, and their families. The stream will take place on Sunday, August 29th from 7 a.m. until 11 p.m. Eastern. So if gaming is your thing, and Twitch is something you're interested in learning about, or something you already do, check out my buddy's Twitch stream and help support Project New Hope. Go to twitch.tv slash S-I-R-A-R-M-I-N-I-U-S to check it out. And secondly, there will be no episode next week. I'm taking a week off at the behest of my kids, but we'll resume in the first week of September. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to me. For the 100th episode of the ADHD Essentials podcast, my friend Cameron Gott offered to flip the script and interview me about what I had learned in the course of doing those 100 episodes. We're doing it again for episode 200. Cameron is a phenomenal ADHD coach. He's been doing it for over two decades, and he's the co-host of the Translating ADHD podcast. In today's episode, Cam interviews me 
about the past, present, and future of the ADHD Essentials podcast. I talk about my goals for the show, why the second hundred was so much harder than the first, hint, it's COVID, the value I place on connection and connecting with people, as well as connecting people to other people, and how I posted 200 episodes of a podcast in a row without missing a single week, despite having ADHD. All right, let's get rolling. How's it going, Cam? Uh, It's going pretty good, Brendan. It's fun to come back and celebrate this place, right? This uh, milestone is huge. 200? Yeah, this one's been a slog. The last 100 have been much harder than the first 100. (laughs) Through no fault of the podcast, it's totally COVID, but it's been much, much harder. Yeah, so we'll get into that today because this is what this is all about is to take a moment to just pause, right? Check in. What was the experience like? And then going forward. And as coaches, we know the value of doing this, right? We do this with our clients is to invite them to stop and reflect because we can just put our head down and go and not be kind of getting up and reaching out to those, the bigger why, right? What is the compelling reason why we do what we do? Let's, let's get into it. We were talking before the recording about how You started the next hundred, right? From 100 to 200, there was a pre-COVID period and then there was an in-COVID period, right? We're still there. Yeah. So tell me about like, again, what was it like getting going before COVID hit? The last time we spoke was right before conference of 2019 in November. And so then COVID hit in the early March of, of 2000. Right. So it's a couple months out, about five months. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 100 dropped literally right before the conference. I had to actually post a couple of extra bonus episodes to make it land before the conference because otherwise it was going to land during the conference and that ruined my conference plan. So I didn't, I had to make it happen earlier. But what I did with the conference that I actually kind of love, like I'm really happy that I did it starting two years ago now, two conferences back, is Every day of the conference, I call them rough cuts. And it's just, I grabbed a bunch of people and we talked about the conference. We just talked about what did you go to? What was the experience like for you? What'd you learn? What was exciting? And I'm really happy with that. I'm really like, I'm really kind of proud and excited about that particular decision of mine because it one connected me to a whole lot of people and two, it connected a whole lot of people to a whole lot of people. The first one, we just found a random conference room that was empty and I had some folks there. And then the second two were in my hotel room because I kind of came up with the idea like on the first night (laughs) and was like, let's let me grab people and see what happens. And then I was more organized the next two days. And so the second night was a bunch of people that I, I have like a it's sort of a mastermind, sort of a bunch of ADHD coaches who meet together on Friday mornings at 7 a.m. because two of us are from Australia, which is a little rough seven o'clock in the morning on a Friday, but we do our best. I'm not always there. I'll be honest. Wow. But I had all of them together. And then the second one or the third night, I guess, was just other folks, right? Yeah, I've been I've been pulled into one of those. Yeah, you got pulled into a virtual one for this past one. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You did it virtually in this last one. Yeah. And it's it's fun. It's a great it's a great sort of reflective tool. And it's also a nice way to connect people. At least I hope it is, right? Because one of the advantages of having a podcast that's interview-based is I talk to 
ADHD people maybe more often than other folks do. And I know probably more ADHD people or have at least interacted with more ADHD people than a lot of ADHD coaches. So it gives me an excuse to kind of mix some of the groups up a little bit and say, hey, come hang out. Yeah. So that decision there, because that, that's uh, something that I'm always interested in with my clients is how do you come to a decision, right? How do you come to, to that? And it's like that day one, you're like, let's do that. What, what do you think informed that decision to go with that? And secondly, why do you think it's so successful? The decision I think was like inspired improvisation. I think it was like, I need some content. I should do something with the podcast related to the conference. And I didn't want to just babble on my own because that uh, it's, it's boring. And, and I'm not going to see as much of the conference as more people. Some of it was that. And then the other piece was just trying to like, trying to collect people, trying to have a reason to connect to folks. I, I try to leverage this podcast kind of as much as I can to, to connect with people. Um, and to give my audience something meaningful to listen to and to have them kind of sort of connect to the people that I connect to. So it was kind of a combination of the two, but it was really the third night, the third interview session that I did that I kind of committed to it because that one wound up being a bunch of people that I kind of knew, like Danny Donovan was there, uh, Jessica McCabe was there, Carolyn Lynch Parcells was there. I'm not remembering everybody, but some other folks. And it was nice to just connect with people. I was like, oh, this is like, this feels like college. This feels like the first night of college when like everyone is suddenly friends with everybody. Like it kind of felt like that. Right. And it was, and it was kind of loose and fun too. Right. It was like, this is casual. Yeah. Like there's no prep here. Let's just, right. And it wasn't a one-on-one. Nope. Where you're like, again, the interview of, you know, with, with a singular focus with one voice or, you know, right. Two voices, of course, but one guest, but a casual affair to kind of connect and that element of fun there. Yeah, that's awesome. And even calling it a rough cut, even saying to my audience, like, I'm not editing this, like, this is just going to be what it is. And sorry, the quality is not as good. Sorry, you're hearing me hand the mic around. Like, well, y'all can handle it like that. That's fine. And, and I kind of hope that it feels like a behind the scenes episode. Like, I kind of hope that's what it feels like. And I don't really know because I can't listen to it in a way that means I wasn't there because I was there. So I always have that piece to it. And why do you think it's so successful then? Like, again, because it's got, you keep doing it. It's working. I don't, I don't, I guess I don't even know if it's successful. Like my audience might be like, this sucks and we hate it because I don't always hear back from the audience. They don't necessarily give me that feedback. It's successful for me. And so I kind of have two different definitions, right? One is for the audience and one is for me. Um, I don't know if it's successful for the audience. I have had some people tell me they like it, but for all I know, most of my audience hates that, but I'm going to keep doing it because it's, it's successful for me in that it, it connects me to folks. Like I said, it connects me to folks in that informal way, which I think is important. And I kind of hope that as the conference continues and this tradition continues, I kind of hope that it turns into like a destination, I guess. Like, I kind of hope it becomes a thing of like, Hey, are you going to be on Brendan's podcast for this week? Cause he does this thing. Like I almost hope it becomes an unofficial event for the conference, I guess. And I don't, I don't know if that'll happen or not. And I'm not pretending that I'm such a cool kid that it will, but, but that would be a nice piece, I think. And then, and lastly, again, it's the, what you do is you pass the mic around and you invite people to share their experience, right? So it's a, it's this, um, you know, back to, we're both uh, educators, 
right? It's about the, the learning aspect and, and sharing of knowledge too. And, and there's the, what did I miss piece too, right? There's like, oh, well, I didn't go to that workshop because you can't go to all the workshops. So it's nice to get a little bit of feedback on what happened in Ned Hallowell's workshop that I wasn't there. Yeah. That part's fun too. The, the term you used was that, that it was in part a improvised. Inspired improvisation. Yes. And that is based on, you know, the first hundred episodes, right? This is not at zero. This is, you've got some mileage under your belt. And I think that a lot of people will look at, you know, something like that as a starting place. And I would say that's at that mid-level where you've been grinding, you've been working, you've been practicing, developing a skill set. And it's at that next level, right? You're able to improvise with these skills that you have in those first hundred episodes. Yeah. And, and also the conference is a good measuring stick for that too, right? Like, and I've said this in the show before. Every time I go to the conference, I reflect on where I was the last time I was at a conference. And so I can see my growth in that range. So like the first time I went, I was some dude at the conference. The second time I went, I was presenting the wall of awful at the conference. The third time I went, people knew who I was. Like people were, oh, you're Brendan. Hi, Brendan. I want to talk to you like that. People were seeking me out. And, and not, not huge numbers of people, but enough for me to be like, oh, this show is making a difference in people's lives. Like they're telling me that then the, the, the latest conference of course was virtual. So that sort of informal piece didn't happen because it was, everyone was in their homes. Yeah. I have a story I recall from uh, ACO and Reston from 2016. I, and I remember we sat down briefly because I think I was like, you know, heading out the door to leave or something. It was like, Hey. <laughs> it was a, it was a long time ago but i remember that that making that initial connection there with you the aco one back in 2016 that was like my premiere i was like a debutante that day that was a wild experience for me because i rolled in as some dude that no one knew and i that was the first time i presented the wall of awful like for real and i walked out like the bell of the ball like everybody wanted to talk to me Cause the wall of awful is good and I'm not going to pretend it isn't like, it's a good, it's a good thing. I present well, like I did what I wanted to do at that conference. And it was, I was riding high that day. Like I left that conference thinking I was like king of the world. And then I want a job interview and didn't get the job. Um, so it's nice when you crash back down to earth, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that conference was a, was a big deal. Like I probably wouldn't be in the industry anymore if I hadn't had the success that I had there, even just emotionally and sort of morale wise, it kept me going. You know, the, uh, we've been talking about like reflecting back on the last 100 and going forward in the next 100 and, and you're just like with confidence. Yeah, we're, we're going right. And, and no doubt there, but back to this idea of what the podcast is about. And I think that this is, you know, things that, that have endurance that sustain, it's, it's not about the thing in the sense that it's not about the podcast. It's about the connection. It's about connecting people. It's that you're tethering to this bigger this bigger objective. It's about connecting people. It's about helping people and it's about teaching people. Like that's really what the show is all about and jumping forward to COVID hitting. Yeah. Let's go there. It was never more true for me than when COVID hit, like COVID hit. And I felt such a responsibility to my audience that I, I, I almost can't even put it in words. I felt like it was my job to help guide whoever was listening in the ether and often internet land 
because I, I don't know who's listening, but I felt like it was my job to help connect them and inform them and help get them through this period of uncertainty. And, and of course, that period of uncertainty just kept going. I didn't think it was going to keep going like it did, but I, I was expecting like three months, maybe a year, maybe a year. But I was like, it's when everyone in that initial jump was like, oh, it's like two weeks and then everything's going back to normal. And I would talk to my clients. I think I probably said it on the podcast. I was, I know I said it on Jessica McCabe's How to ADHD channel. I was like, let's anticipate this being a long-term thing. But again, in my head, three months to a year, not beyond that even. Because if we anticipate it being short-term and we're wrong, it's going to blow up in our face. And I'm thinking in terms of kids and stuff, right? I knew a lot of parents who were like, I'm just letting my kids play their iPad all day because this is going to wrap up and it's going to be fine. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Because if this doesn't wrap up, you're going to have to fight to get your kid back off of their iPad. So don't loosen up totally, like keep some structure and some uh, boundaries. And then I was right and was not happy about it. (laughs) Yeah. What were you not happy about, Brendan? That it lasted so long. Like, I don't, I'm I'm done, man. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, yeah. (laughs) Like, like anyone else. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I. That's an, sort of the second half of the podcast during COVID. And, and we probably want to break that into pieces. But the second half has been just an in, uh, nothing but a feat of endurance. This podcast has become really, really hard to do, probably since like winter time, I would guess. Yeah. Before we get to that, can we go back to like, you know, again, from March to winter, that first part? And I guess I'm curious about like, you know, how did you modify the the topics or right the approach or the the material for your audience there was a lot of internal debate in my head of how much do i focus on covid how much do i intentionally not focus on covid because it's like overwhelming and everyone is listening to covid stuff and it's depressing and hard and am i adding to anxiety or am i relieving anxiety was kind of my question right so i kind of mixed it up and For a while there, I was putting COVID in the title of the episode so people would know if it was a COVID thing or not. I eventually stopped doing that because eventually it just started coming up because it was reality. But there was that. There was like my early COVID episodes are what to do when your kids are stuck in the house, an overview of what COVID was. I had Carolyn Lynch Parcells, who's a pediatrician, come in pretty quick. And we talked about what COVID is. Thoughts about self-care during COVID. Just a COVID Q&A. I had people sending me questions, so I just did a Q&A episode. But mixed into that stuff are other episodes on like the ADHD effect on marriage and relationships with Melissa Orlov, you know, like and ADHD and money. And I interviewed an engineer who works at NASA. So there's other stuff sprinkled throughout. But then there's I, I chased down Richard Tedeschi, who coined the term post-traumatic growth. Like he's the leading researcher in a post-traumatic growth. Because I was like, this is a thing we need to learn about. We need to talk about post-traumatic growth because that's going to have to happen. We're experiencing a trauma event here. And even other things, I interviewed uh, Inger Colsey, who is a social worker, about the African-American experience and the Black experience at that time. Because if you remember, the window we're talking about wasn't just COVID. We also had a lot of racial unrest going on in the country. And And COVID just sort of sprung me in that direction too. And I was like, well, I need to navigate this as well. And that's the thing I try to do with the show is I try to get 
minority voices on. I tried to get folks who are not white women. I interview a lot of white women and I, I, I make this effort, but it's like an ADHD effort, right? Like there's times when I'm really focused on it and I'm doing a good job of it. And then there's times when I kind of lose track of stuff and I'm just trying to survive the next five episodes. And this is reminding me that it's been a while since I addressed that particular element of the show and I need to get back to it. Which I'm sorry, which element was that? Just minority voices, right? I still haven't had an LGBTQ person come on. I mean, I have, but it's not been a topic. It's just been, I happen to know this person is gay or lesbian or whatever, but that's not, that's not a, a voice that I've given on the podcast yet. I haven't had someone come out and talk about the interplay between you're, you're gay, lesbian, transgender, whatever, and you have ADHD. What does that look like? Because I think one of the advantages of having ADHD is we know what it's like to struggle in a, in a culture that is not designed for us and doesn't really accept us. So if I can use the podcast to help some of that perspective transfer over to, oh, I can better understand another minority perspective as a result of my being a neuro minority. I want to try to do that because to my thinking, that's part of what makes the world a better place is if we can just understand each other better. And, and that circles back to the connection stuff that we've already been talking about, right? Like that's me trying to help people connect in understanding. You talking about kind of the early stages of COVID and, and how you approached it. So just when we did our 100th, I was launching my own podcast, Translating ADHD with Shelly Collins. And we had that same challenge, right? We, we, uh, we're actually, Brandon, we're on summer break. Uh, do you guys take summer break? What is that? I don't think you do. <laughs> Wait, how does that work? We just inserted a summer break. We're like, you know what? We're taking a break, guys. That's what we're doing. So I'm, I'm on break, buddy. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm kicking back right now. So jealous. <laughs> yeah, but we've got uh, you know, about 90 episodes under our belt, and we're going to do another 90 coming up. That's what we settled on. Is That's our, that's our uh, season. That's your, your, your limit. <laughs> 90. Somehow. 90's plenty. <laughs> I think we just sort of ran out of gas, and we're like, we got to stop here for a second. But that same thing of with COVID, it was like, grappling with, okay, we got to address this. How do we want to address it? Right. Because I think it was Jennifer Koretsky used to say that good ADD management is good stress management or rather good stress management is good ADHD management, right? COVID is a stressor. Oh yeah. The, 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 the number of stressors in 2020 were just crazy. But then we did the same thing of sort of like, okay, this is going on. And um, I guess it's back to people are still trying to, you know, get through their day. People are still trying to have success and live with their ADHD. So that's where we go, went back to. It was really fascinating to kind of bring in or adjust to whole, the whole COVID thing. And on my end, COVID hit and I was like, Ooh, new and interesting. Like that was kind of my approach to it was like, this is exciting. This is something I've never done before. This is something no one has ever done before. I think I'm well suited to navigate this at least Yeah. In the, on the home front. Like I was kind of built for that home front stuff. I've, I had summer camp experience, which mattered a lot when it came to dealing with kids at home during COVID. I had educational experience. I had the ADHD stuff. I understood anxiety. I understood relationships and connection. I launched the parent coaching groups, whatever round it was. And it started like sort of day one of COVID. Like I had people signed up. I'm like, okay, cool. It's time to do some parent coaching groups. 
And then the day we started was the Monday of COVID in Massachusetts. Like COVID sort of started on March 13th, which is Friday. The following Monday was my parent coach coaching groups starting. And I was just like, oh man, can these handle this? Like, are these built in a way to do a pandemic? Like, what is this going to work out like? And it ended up going really well. I didn't really have to change that much stuff. I had to talk a little bit about COVID, obviously, but otherwise the groups were built to withstand a pandemic and help people out during a pandemic, which I kind of felt honored. Like I kind of honored myself a little bit. I was like, good job, past Brendan. Like you kind of did this well. The biggest change I had to make was moving self-care to the front because self-care had been like week seven. Sure. Um, and now it's week one. That's really the biggest change I had to make. But all of, all of COVID was surprising and concerning. And, and what do we do with it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about the, the second half here. Again, as you said, from winter on to now, it's been an endurance, right? It's been a slog. Yeah. And what, what in particular made it hard, Brendan? I think it was my decision to homeschool my kids, honestly, which I stand by and would make the same decision again, because at the time we didn't know what COVID meant and what it looked like. Also, my guys had, especially one of them had some, some kind of school anxiety happening that was mostly managed, but where that school anxiety flared up was when school and home crossed. So if you had to do homework, that was a lot of anxiety. But if he did homework at school, then it was not a big deal. It was only the crossing of home and school. And I was like, well, hybrid virtual schooling is nothing but home and school crossing. Right. And I'm going to have to help my kid and also communicate with the school to make sure they're doing what they need to do and navigate all of these many moving parts. Or I can just do it all myself because my kids were going into sixth grade, which is the grade that I taught. And I'm licensed in history and English. So that's half of the curriculum, kind of, sort of. And so I was like, I'll homeschool them. Sort of didn't know what I was getting into, but I still think it was probably easier than if I was trying to navigate school and home and actually make sure my kids are doing their work and all that stuff. Because the fact is I could fit homeschooling in around my business if I had to. I could change the pace of how things were going if I had to. I would not have been able to do that if they were virtual learning. But also they would have gone to school, which they didn't, obviously. So I didn't get a break until summer hit and they went to camp. Like I literally was with my kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week with two breaks when they went to my sister's during which my wife was home. So I didn't get any time to myself for like a year and three months. And I'm not exaggerating. I, my time to myself was going grocery shopping. Um, <laughs> and that's hard. That's, that's a challenge. And that made the podcast hard. That's where the slog part comes in is all of that, right? And I'm trying to post a podcast. So the podcast got pushed to Saturdays because it was the only day that I had time to do it. Every now and then I would get pieces done during Wednesday and edit some of it on Thursday and that kind of stuff. But the editing of the podcast happened on Saturdays, which meant I would wake up, I would edit some of the podcast, I'd take a shower, I'd go to Kempo because we had virtual Kempo and we had outside in the snow Kempo in a parking lot, take my kids to Kempo, come home, maybe have to do some family stuff, go back to editing the podcast, post it, usually between one o'clock and five o'clock on Saturday. And depending on how deep in a Saturday that went, that's my whole day. Like that's my whole day. So I was getting Sunday as a break from all of the stuff that I was doing, running a business, homeschooling my kids. And half the time, more than half the time, Sunday was, we have to get this thing done, right? Like our house hasn't been cleaned in a month. We need grocery shopping, that kind of stuff. So I was, it, the slog was bigger than the podcast, 
but the podcast piece of it was like it stood out because it had its own day in a way that like clients and coaching groups didn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so at any point, did you consider pausing it, taking a week off? Yeah, but it was never a cognitive thought. It was always an emotional thought. So it never came to fruition. It was always like, it was more of like, I'm sick of this and I just don't want to do it anymore. Well, I guess I'll start editing. Like it was more of that kind of a thing. And I will say Gavin, my son, Gavin has told me that I should take a week off. He was like, you should take a week off. When are you going to take a week off? And I was like, well, I'm almost at 200. And he said, well, you should take a week off after 200. So it's a, there's a good chance I'm going to skip a week after this episode drops because I love my kid and I want to respect his wishes. And there was, there was one week where I kind of feel like I mailed it in and I kind of feel like it was a great idea, sort of both, because we, once we were all vaccinated, we went to see my in-laws on a weekend. And as I said, Saturday was when I posted. It's not realistic to edit the podcast and record the intro and stuff at my in-laws. So I did do, I called it uh, From the Vault and I released an episode that I previously released, but it was like one of the first 20 episodes I released. And I was, I released, it came out again, like three years later. So I felt like that was okay. And it's also a really good episode. So it's one that I feel like it's important. It gets some more love and I'll probably do some of that a little bit more as we go. Cause when I have as many in the bank as I've got, I feel like it's okay to to release the occasional vault episode. This American life does it all the time. So yes, it's probably all right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just noticing our time and, and um, I'm wondering about like, as we shift to, you know, looking ahead, what what do you see in the next, as we look, as we did the same thing at at 100, right? Like looking back and like looking forward, there was one thing I I will say, as you were talking about um, having certain guests on, that was one of your goals Yep. back at 100 was there was a, um, a cartoonist that you had on. Yeah. And it was like, you know, this is awesome. If I can get this guy, who else can I get? Like just again, like putting yourself out there and just asking. Yeah. And I'm just recalling that from number 100. That was a goal, right? That was a, uh, and it sounds like you reached that goal, right? To really broaden your, your base, broaden your connections and, and having people on that you want to have on. Yeah, I think so. Not as much as I would have liked, right? Like COVID hit and I was kind of going, hey, no one's busy. Like everything just shut down. Maybe I can get, I reached out to Howie Mandel. I reached out (laughs) to um, this woman, AJ Lee, who's a former professional wrestler. I reached out to a bunch of like celebrity folks and nothing, probably because I didn't do it right. I'm sure there's like a strategy to this that I just didn't have the brain space to research, but I did get, I got the guy who sort of founded the idea of post-traumatic growth, as I mentioned earlier. I also got um, AJ Jacobs on. He's a, a New York Times bestselling author. And I've read, if not all of his books, there's like one that I haven't read. And I love his work. And I randomly Facebook was like, hey, you should be friends with AJ Jacobs. And I was like, I should be. Okay, cool. So I friends with AJ Jacobs um, and then thanked him for accepting my friend request, which led to a email conversation or a Facebook message conversation and led to him coming on the show. That was cool. There's a guy, there's a podcaster named Jordan Harbinger who runs the Jordan Harbinger show, that's, which is phenomenal. And I, I'm going to contact him at some point. I, one thing I didn't mention was in the window of 2020 where there was COVID hadn't hit yet. My family and I went on a Disney vacation and then we came home and then I flew to Reno and volunteered at a maximum security prison in California. And that volunteer thing was put on by Jordan Harbinger. So I've met him in, per, in like real life and kind of sort of know him. 
uh, and he's got a kid. He's having another one. So I think I might like to get him on the show at some point. But that that sort of high higher caliber guest, once the slog hit, I wasn't even trying to get high caliber guests. I was just getting guests. I was just happy to have whatever guest came on. So there's that piece. But in terms of getting guests, one thing that started in the past month or so is all of a sudden I have all these podcast like pitching folks coming to me. I've got a I'm getting a lot of emails that are like, hey, this person should be on your podcast. That's cool. Like now I that's even less effort for me and finding people that I wouldn't necessarily know exist. Right. That's a pretty exciting spot to be in that my show has been on long enough and is of significant enough status that now people are I don't know if you'd call it a headhunter or what you'd call it, but their their job is to say is to represent someone and say this person should come on your show. So my show is now at that tier, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. And so what is it looking forward? Like, again, what's, what are you looking forward to in the next 100? I'm looking forward to finding out what kind of guests come from that, those services I mentioned. I think I do want to try to get some celebrities on if I can. And I, that's sort of a, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't happen, but I'd like to figure that out. I need to get more parenting experts on, like just straight parenting, not ADHD, but purely parenting. And I might've said that at the last hundred too. Fair number of the last hundred goals didn't really happen. Um, I had an idea to, to interview folks who have services that might be good for ADHD kids to do, like dance schools and martial arts schools. And like, what does your kid need to be successful in this hobby kind of a thing? And just when I started to put that together, COVID hit and like all that stuff fell apart and it didn't feel relevant anymore. I'm hoping I get some interesting sort of rabbit hole moments. Like I went down a Dungeons and Dragons rabbit hole in the past 100 where I did a couple episodes on that and also ran a workshop at the conference on ADHD and Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so I'm hoping I get a couple of interesting rabbit holes that I can't predict. And I also hope that I connect to more podcasts. Like I, I would like to do that too. I would like to like I'm having you on so that you can talk about your show and uh, at least a little bit um, and people can get to know that you exist. There's a lot of ADHD podcasts out there and spread the wealth, you know, like spread awareness a little bit, get people knowing it's more, I guess more connection stuff is sort of what that is. Yeah. Sounds like it. Framing out the show. I think I need to, to do something too. I want to put together like starter packs, like kind of, here's a bunch of episodes that are vaguely connected, right? So here's five on communication. Here's three on the nature of physical activity in ADHD. Here's some on the foundational information we need for ADHD. And just sort of start chunking these 200 episodes in a way that makes them more meaningful so that new listeners and old listeners can, can play with a the theme for a little while. I'd like to do that. I think I've hit the point where I need to get the podcasts transcribed so that it, it can go on the website and like people can read or listen or whatever they want to do. We get a lot of requests for transcriptions. So. Yeah. And it's, I'm a little intimidated by it because I'm like, that's, that's the new episode plus 200 back. <laughs> but uh, I'll, it, as long as I do it slowly and in pieces, I'm sure I can make it affordable. And then because I'm not doing it, I'm going to have to hire someone to do that. I don't have the time to transcribe it on my own. And then also I need to change the format of the show a little bit. I front load the commercials and I'm sure people ignore them and skip them. And every podcast out there has like midway through, there's some people talking about some commercial thing and I should probably try to monetize it too. I was starting to get monetization interest. I had a couple of schools that wanted to do commercials on the show and I was like, that's cool. 
And COVID just pulled that rug out from underneath me. All of a sudden, all that stuff died. And so there's a little bit of like going back to the growth that I was about to hit right before COVID. There was stuff coming down the pike. And then I just, the show went into torpor. My whole practice, like it didn't stagnate. It just sort of leveled off because it had to. And now we're back to growth again, where my kids are at summer camp. They'll be going back to school next year. Um, so I'll have six hours of my day back to do the podcast and the business and, and get back to growth. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, the biggest, the biggest accomplishment was really, it was the enduring, right? It was, it was just continuing to keep it alive, keep it going through this period. Yeah. Um, well, I want to congratulate you because I'm uh, we're at 89 or 90 and you're at 200. Seems like a long way out for us. <laughs> yeah, you'll get there. Thank you. I, it's, it's, it that whole like, the 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 saying like a, the a journey of a million miles starts with a single step, couldn't be more true. Like it, I only have two hundred episodes because I just made another one, and then I made another one, and then I made another one. Like that's the only reason that I got to two hundred. And um, when I did uh, Eric Tiver's three hundredth. He said something similar to that. It was like, it's, it's just, it's a matter of taking steps. And I think that that's often those of us with ADHD or clients kind of a vapor lock around action, right? It's like, I have to like have everything together before I can start or proceed. And this kind of like taking that step, um, it's just a great example, right? It's great modeling for the ADHD community of how to make something happen and how to create change. There's also something in there around consistency that I think matters. And I like that term vapor lock, right? Because I sort of vapor locked the show. It's just a thing that I do. Just like all the other things that I do, this is a thing that I do. And so once it became a thing that I do, I just kept doing it. And, and it, it felt like I had to almost. Like on the days when I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I honestly feel a responsibility to my audience to keep going. Right. And, and especially with COVID, there was a part of me that was like, I can't skip a week because there might be people out there in the world who genuinely think I got sick and died. And I don't want to do that to them. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I bet that, that much of it was more of a positive emotion too. of this. The sense of responsibility is. Yeah. The sense of responsibility was much, much stronger than that. Yeah. People are counting on me. They're counting on this. They're looking, they're anticipating this. Right. That's a powerful pull right there. It is. And, and also just like I was saying, the, it's just the thing I do. And having an audience helps a lot for me. I'm someone who needs to have someone seeing what I do. Like I need credit to feel like it's worth doing. I like I'm a terrible journaler. I can't keep a journal because no, who's going to look at it? Like, why would I write that down? It's the thought in my head. It can just stay in my head. It doesn't have in my, to me. And I know this is wrong, but sort of. Part of my thinking, and, and this is like, I might be a people pleaser, Cam. That's I might be a people pleaser. What about just an extrovert? I mean, that too, but I'm, I'm totally a people pleaser. But I have this piece of me that's like, there's, there's no value to the words written in the journal because no one's going to see them. Taking the word, thoughts out of my head and putting them in a journal doesn't increase their value because no one will see it. Even my to-do lists, like I leave on the kitchen table where someone is going to see them. Yeah, I just, I, I call that a positive form of accountability. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't see it as a bad thing at all. I, it's, I just, knowing myself. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're con but converting that, you know, could be a um, liability, right? Of, 
because I, I used to have that pleaser. And, uh, you know, he was he was not a great guy in his worst form. Right. So it's like taking that and like turning it to your advantage. Yeah, no, I'm with you. We should that's a th- I should bring you back on to talk about people pleasing. That's not a thing I've done. That that might be a good topic. I'd be happy to because I could. I mean, I can tell you all about like my former self. Oh my god. Yeah, maybe because like, I've had, I've got the, a similar former <laughs> self. I'm sure. Yeah, that could be an interesting episode. But first, I have to get Renee back on because I can't give you too much of a head start. Oh no! Come on, let me get ahead of her. <laughs> let me get ahead. She's like saying how she's ahead. I need to catch up here. Just, yeah, go ahead and have her back on. I think you guys are tied at the moment. Really? Yeah, I think so. And I have audience for the sake of those of you who don't know, Cameron and Renee Brooks are like the people who've been on the show the most. And I want to say that you guys tied it up in November, back in November for the ADHD conference. And I haven't had either one of you on since. So I think you're tied. I think, what about if we have all three of us? I think that'd be kind of fun. That does need to happen. And you pitched that for this episode, but I wanted to, I wanted to keep it in the pattern of years again from now. I can be like, Cam, come back on and do 300. Cam, come back on and do 400. Yeah, that's uh, I was doing the math there. It looks like it's going to be around like, um, you know, April or May of, of 23 is going to be <laughs> the next time we do this, this celebration, Brendan. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I, I expect that'll happen. Yeah. The only thing that can disrupt this show is if my business goes sideways and I have to get a real job outside of that. The show keeps going. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't see that happening. I don't either. I think that, I mean, you, we've been at it, you know, you're like me. Cause again, I mean, I've been at this for 20 years and it was, it was for some time it was like, you know, is this going to go or not? And um, it's, again, it's that you, you've become a known entity. You've got your thing. People know, know your product. Right. I mean, that, that connection is, is far reaching. You have staying power, brother, staying power. I do. Yeah. I, I, I was recently uh, quoted in the Washington Post about parenting stuff by way of Jessica McCabe. Jessica was asked to be on the in the article and she was like, I don't do parenting stuff. Talk to Brendan. So that's that's how they found me. But that's a big deal. Like that's a that, it's a big deal to be in the Washington Post. And that that gave me a reason to kind of reflect back on where I am and where stuff's going. And and it was it was cool. I like it when I get those little moments. Episode 200 is an example I already mentioned that the conference is consistently a reason for me to do that. And so too was this Washington Post piece. And Facebook is nice that way, right? Because I post that stuff on Facebook. I'm always entertained by the people who like stuff and like say congratulations and things. Because every now and then I get someone who like looked at me like I was nuts when I was talking about what I was going to do for a living back when this started. And it's nice for them to be happy and excited about, about where I've gotten to and to see that growth especially the doubters. It's nice to have, I don't want to say prove the doubters wrong, but it's nice to have won the doubters over, turned them to like, oh, you can, that is a thing you can do, I guess. That's good stuff. It is. All right. I feel like I should ask you for an ending essential, but I don't know that that's how this goes. It's just out of habit. Um, <laughs> I'm like, so just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? What, what is that? What is, what is an ending essential? So here's, this is every, at the end of every episode, I say, just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? And the origin of it is there's a show called WTF with Mark Marin, And it's, it's a big deal podcast. And at the end of his episodes, he would just go, all right, well, thanks. That was great. And it was like, or something along those lines, just this awkward ending that was jarring to me as a listener 
I imagined it was jarring to the person being interviewed and I didn't want to end my shows that way. And I was like, I need something better. I need, I need a way to end my shows. And there's another podcast I used to listen to called the good life project. And he would say his last question would be like something along the lines of what do you think makes a good life? So I kind of took those two pieces. I saw what I didn't like and I saw what I did like. And I was like, I need a final question. One to get out of the interview gently and two to let my audience know that we're done because I've got an audience full of ADHD people who probably aren't paying attention to time and to help them kind of be ready for the wrap up. That's the thinking behind the ending essential. It's interesting when I get people on the show who listen to, to it, because every now and then I get someone who's intimidated by it. Like I get to the ending essential and they're like, oh, I have to do an ending essential. And it's like a big deal for them because they've listened to 200 episodes and consistently heard that question. But it's not a big deal. It's just a way to end the show. Yeah. Well, actually, as you're talking about that, I, if I want to, I'm going to reframe that in the sense that this whole episode has been an ending essential, right? That, that 100, 200 is a chance to, again, sort of take a moment to reflect, you know, kind of cherry pick and, and just, you know, share learning, share awareness, share a, a nugget of knowledge to bring closure. Right. And so our celebration here of 200 is really it's closure on the last 100. So you can pivot going forward. So that's what I'll, I'm going to pitch. I'll just, you know, make that argument that this whole episode has been an ending essential, Brendan. I like that. I'm with you. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you, Cam. Thank you for, for taking the time. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun. And I, I'll, I'll see you in, um, I'll see you in another hundred. Awesome. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.